It is Locked on NBA, biggest stories, local experts. I'm David Locke, host of Locked on NBA, founder of the Locked on Podcast Network. Today, as we do every Monday, we're going to run to the biggest stories in the NBA from the local experts. Chris Manning covers the Cavaliers for Locked on Cavaliers on the Locked on Podcast Network. What has changed and what's going on with Derrick Rose? Peter Edmondson was in the locker room last night covering when Marcus Gasol Sounded off after being benched by David Fisdale. What are the long-term ramifications? Peter Edmondson of Locked On Grizzlies gives us that. And it's all brought to you by SeatGeek. Make sure you use the promo code LOCK to get $20 back on your first purchase from SeatGeek. That's LOCKED. $20 back on your first purchase. The biggest stories in the NBA from the local experts. It's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Our first stop today is going to be the biggest story, local experts, Chris Manning, host of Locked On Cavaliers, join us. What's going on with Eric Rose? It's a, it's a weird situation. He um, has noticeably been, I mean, he was in before the, the announcement that he had went home and, and is dealing with a personal matter. Um, he had kind of noticeably been not been around. Um, and it, the Cavs are saying that he's dealing with a personal matter, um, that, that they expect him back. You've seen LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Channing Fry and Tyron Lee all say they want him back and will welcome him back. But uh, based on reporting we've seen and some of the things I've heard, it, it seems like he is going home to check on himself and he just feels very kind of broken down by the injuries he's had. And the, the right now he's dealing with an ankle injury that doesn't seem to have healed uh, quickly. He hurt his ankle, I believe, on October 20th against the Bucks, and it's not healed. And it's not it was not considered a severe sprain, but it's kept him out, and he's still at least a week or two weeks away on the on the timeline the Cavs have said. So it just seems like mentally, uh, his this another injury, more injuries for him have really kind of taken a toll, and it doesn't necessarily seem to me like he's a guarantee to come back. Feels like there's more to this story. Does it feel that way to you? Yes, because you know, I I found I it, it wasn't a surprise to me be, be based on how Tyron what Tyron Lue is, but he you know didn't really elaborate too much into it. But um, you know, I I don't I think Rose has had a bad start to the year. I think that's one thing. I think that the injuries definitely are. But this is the second in a row where he he's not playing in Chicago and he's gone home. And now the Cavs have said a couple times now that he has been in communication with them through through Lou through press releases and whatnot. But you know, it, I would until we hear from Rose and kind of get an elaboration on this. I, I think there is a big chunk of the story missing, and because it, it was sort of sudden. You know, he came in to training camp, um, and, he, and when he signed, and him and his agent talked about how he really wanted to play for winter, that he was excited to come and play in a team that wanted to win. He's going to rebuild his career, and he was being very positive about it, and kind of saying all the right things. LeBron said the right things about it. For him to be to have another injury, which for him, you know, that is a big thing. But to, for it to be this early in the season to have an injury, send him home, and it to seem like his career is now potentially over now, at least for now, that that seems like we're missing something big from from the story. And it seems like we really need to hear what Rose has to say about this until until we get that because I don't think we're gonna get just knowing Lou, knowing how the Cavs handled this stuff. I don't think we're gonna get definitive answers from them. It's an interesting story. You were very clear the last time you were on uh, Biggest Stories Local Experts that Derrick Rose was not helping this team at all. 
and, and I think that's still true. I think, um, you know, he's averaging in his games that he's played, which now he's missed more than he's played. Uh, he's averaging more turnovers per game than assists, and his, he's kind of struggled to fit in. And the Cavs are on a seven-game win streak right now, and in the last three games, Jose Calderon is at the play, and he's actually sort of known what he's, his role is and known what he needs to do, and Rose didn't exactly do that. And I don't want to, you know, I don't wish ill on the guy or anything like that, but it, in, a, in a basketball sense, you, you're seeing him also struggle to really fit. Um, and, and it just on the eye test alone, you can look at the numbers too, and it'll back it up Jose Calderon, who no one would argue was ever more talented or was a better player at his peak than, than Derek Rose, who was a former MVP, regardless if you want to say that's a, a fluke MVP or not. He's he struggled to kind of make an impact, and and I think you know maybe that's part of it too. It just seems like, and, and in my mind, I, you look ahead for the future of this team, for this Cavs team that should have Isaiah Thomas back soon. Um, is having Mont Trumper come back from an injury on Monday. It's harder and harder as you look at the full roster to see what his role is going to be, and maybe that plays a part of it too. You look at this team right now. In the last first ten games of the year, they rank thirtieth in the league defensively. In the last nine games, they rank nineteenth in the league defensively. Their offense is actually not a great deal difference. If you look kind of at their, uh, the only thing is they're not turning the ball over as much, but otherwise their offense is virtually the same. But the defense is vastly different. They're forcing turnovers. They're defending shots. They they look completely different. That's what's led to this win streak. What? Why has this suddenly happened? I think there's a couple things. Um, I think the big thing is LeBron is kind of settling into a role where he's being disruptive. Um, I think that is something Lou wanted. You saw Lou go to that in the playoffs last year, and I think they're getting back to that. Um, I think Jay Crowder is someone that has played a lot better of late. I don't think he's quite settled yet. His shooting numbers are so bad, but defensively he's putting in the effort now, and he's he's putting in uh, the type of performances the Cavs were kind of expecting from him and, and really kind of walking down guys and, and beating guys to the spot. You can go to the Pistons game, look at that game tape, and see how he really shut down any dribble handoff he encountered to kind of see the impact he's had. And you're also getting good effort from pretty much everybody. You know, J.R. Smith has struggled with his shot of late, but he's been pretty locked in on defense for the most part, except for a couple of miscues. And Kyle Korver has been a good defender. And Kevin Love is, is really battling and rebounding pretty well. And you're getting guys that aren't good defenders that are putting in the effort. And you're having the guys that are good defenders uh, and can be impactful defenders like a LeBron James, like a Jay Crowder, like a J.R. Smith. They're doing the kind of necessary, necessary work to kind of patches together um you know i'm i'm a little skeptical of how much it'll hold up considering the personnel um and we'll see you know tristan thompson's eventual return should help and we'll see how isaiah fits in but i think you're seeing a team that's actually playing harder and i also think they just have the right units that have worked i mean jeff green for one has been a, a good presence on the defensive end on bench units and they're as much as they aren't these necessarily prototypical a-list defenders, you have guys that actually are smart and know what they're doing, and I, and I think that helps because they're not trying to do anything particularly aggressive, right? Because this isn't like the, the heat that would trap the pick and rolls and, and, and rotate and rotate and rotate. They're basically asking guys to know where they're supposed to be, and they're asking just for basic effort, and, and I think that's paid off a bunch. I was kind of end this these conversations with the same question because I think it's what makes the Lockdown Podcast Network special is the local expertise and the local knowledge. So what is it that's going on locally that you know that you're around every day that the national coverage is not picking up on? I think Jake Crowder, for one, there's two things. I think for one, Jake Crowder has been um, better than his overall numbers are indicated. I don't think he's been the disaster 
that he's kind of been talked about as ever since the second half of the Dallas game, which was also the start of this win streak. He's been so much better defensively. His shot looks more confident. He's dribbling and it's an attacking. Um, and the other side of that is right now the Cavs are seeing this defensive look where teams are putting centers on Jake Crotter in an effort to basically put a guy in the paint that can sit there and then they kind of rotate and just are allowing Crowder to get the ball. It's something teams are doing because they want to have someone a little bit smaller, more mobile defend Kevin Love. What has happened more often than not is you're seeing the Cavs beat this with Kevin Love um, either setting screens for people or really doing well on post-ups on the left block against guys like Tobias Harris and smaller defenders. Crowder is also making them pay for this by, by dribbling and attacking. And I think you're seeing the Cavs handle some of these adjustments that I think might have caused them problems earlier in the season by just kind of relying on guys to do what they're supposed to do. And you're seeing them just as a result, I think, win games they might not have otherwise. Look at the Hornets game. If you would have asked the Cavs at the start of the season to to win a game where they barely scored 100 points and had, and held the team under 100 and had to get a stop at the end of the game, if you would have told me that Cavs, this Cavs team would have won a game like that, I would have called you crazy. But they're kind of just doing what they need to do to win. And it's guys like Jay Crowder, guys like Kevin Love, who've had, if he starts at times, are playing better than I think they're getting credit for. And I, and I think that's a big reason why the Cavs are, are winning games. And plus having LeBron score 23 points against the Nets also. And in the fourth quarter against the Nets is also a pretty good reason of, of why they're winning games and have kept this win streak alive. Well, they should keep it going. The schedule is not particularly difficult coming up. And so they should continue these winning ways and stock all the worry talk uh, that was going on before. Thank you so much, Chris Manning, Locked On Cavaliers. Keep up the great work. Thanks for joining us on Locked On NBA on the biggest stories with local experts. Thank you, David. Chris Manning, Locked On Cavaliers. Make sure you lock that channel in. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. They have been wonderful to the Locked On Podcast Network from the very beginning, believing in what we're building here with local experts on the biggest stories and giving you expert insight you can't get anywhere else. That is one of the reasons we love SeatGeek. The other is because they have made what used to be a cumbersome, annoying process of calling multiple people around town, stopping by, trying to see who has the best deals, and that into something that's very simple and easy. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab. Enter in the promo code LOCKED. Now, when you make your first purchase, you're getting $20 rebate. Why SeatGeek? Because they're going to compile all the tickets from everyone around the area in one spot. So you're not calling all those guys. You're not wondering if anyone's ripping you off. You're not wondering what the real deal is. It's right there in front of you. Number two, because they give every ticket a ticket score. That ticket score lets you know what the best spot in the venue is if you don't know the venue. And allows you to put price ranges on what ticket you're interested in and then get the best ticket. And finally, it's guaranteed once it gets to your phone. That's why SeatGeek is revolutionizing the ticket buying world and why you should download the SeatGeek app. Enter in the promo code LOCKED and get a $20 rebate after your first purchase. Our second stop is a story that is actually developing as we talk on Sunday night. Peter Edmondson hosts Locked on Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies have been scuffling, but tonight things got weird. Peter, explain what happened tonight with the Grizzlies. Yeah, in the midst of an eighth uh, straight loss, and this one, uh, just straight at home, this one to the Brooklyn Nets, who are you know certainly a feisty team, but not a good team, and uh, a second half where everything just went completely uh, haywire for the Grizzlies. Uh, David Fisdale, the head coach of the Grizzlies, decided, in essence, to bench Mark Gasol. He took him out of the game with about three minutes left in the third quarter, which is not unusual, but he never put him back in, which is very unusual. And Mark 
uh, on the sideline, those of us that were there to watch, saw Mark pointedly kind of stand up and sort of saunter over to kind of remind David Sisdell, hey, uh, I'm here, all-star center, former defense player of the year, remember me? Uh, yep, still on the bench. And that was to no avail. He was, he was just uh, left there in the midst of this loss. It turned out to be, you know, the eighth straight loss, not especially competitive. It wasn't as if Mark was playing all that badly. I mean, it wasn't great, but he wasn't the problem. And uh, it's a confusing and, frankly, uh, uh, almost um, – slightly suicidal from a from David Fisdale's standpoint, because I don't know why you want to go out of your way to, to anger your best player on a very injured and beat-up team where there's just not that much NBA talent to begin with. So the losing streak starts with Mike Conley gets hurt, and, and, that, and it just has never stopped. So that seems to make a lot of sense. So let's then, instead of worrying about the losing, let's go to this strange benching. You, you, you're there tonight. You go into the locker room. Do you go to Fisdale or Gasol first? Well, Fisdale was first, and I asked him, you know, just straight up, first question, right out of the gate, well, you know, what, what was the deal? And he says, you know, it was just the decision. I felt like uh, we could win with this other group, which, again, is, you know, ludicrous because as good as, you know, some of their young players could theoretically be, it wasn't as if they were really cutting into that lead. Uh, the Nets had about a 10-point lead that was kind of hanging in that, in that vein for the entire time. They cut it to five at one point. But then that's extended it right back out, and you would think, okay, well, now, you know, you tried a little experiment, didn't work. So, Fisdell tried to play it like that. When I, we went into the locker room, I talked with Mark, uh, I talked with Mark for a long time. In fact, a, a little inside baseball, the media people in Memphis twice tried to cut off the interview, and Mark wouldn't have it. Mark specifically said, no, you, you got some more? Like, he, was, he wanted to talk. Um, and so he was very even keeled about it. You'll, you know, you'll hear all the audio on Locked on Grizzlies, the entire, uh, the entire thing, because it's very, very interesting. And he's very, but he's very pointed. He's very calm, but he's very pointed. And he, he essentially said, um, you know, I'm trying to be positive. And the backstory to this, David, is that, you know, Mark had a long reputation for years and years of being very negative, being a very negative teammate, um, you know, not a bad guy or anything like that, but just, a guy that's very hard on himself and hard on his teammates. And, you know, Fizdale had made a point to say, look, you know, I need you to be more of a positive influence. I need you to be more of a leader in that sense, to be to put your arm around guys rather than to, you know, explain to them where they were wrong. And Mark, to his credit, has actually done that throughout the entire season in a way that, that was unusual for him. And he really felt like he was kind of stepping out of his comfort zone to do that. And he was trying to meet David Fizdale halfway. They'd had some issues last year, but it felt like Mark was trying to, to, to reach, you know, over the divide with Fizz. Instead, this is kind of how he's repaid. And so he's especially confused by it because it doesn't go along with any particular bad series of play or a bad event or so it's just it just kinda happened. I, I don't I don't it's a really strange turn of events. So David Fisdale's opening year as a head coach at times was peculiar. I kinda I on one level, as a media guy, I kind of adore him. And then when I kind of take my hat off and say, okay, but if I wasn't a media guy, what would I think of it? At times, he does seem to create chaos. Is that a fair comment? Well, I think it's just that he doesn't have any problem with pushing buttons. I don't know that he goes out of his way to create chaos, but he certainly doesn't mind sending messages 
uh, in all sorts of ways. The, the thing that's frustrating uh, from Mark's perspective, I think, David, is that, for example, if you remember one of the first things that David Fisdale did when he arrived was to bench Zach Randolph, who, you know, had, had gone on an incredible run, one of the legends, his number will be retired in FedEx Forum. He's a Memphis icon. But Fisdale thought, okay, if I start Jermichael Green, it's more in keeping with the way I want to play. I think Zach will be better off the bench. Very hard to, for, for Zach to take that. But he went and specifically spoke to Zach prior to doing that, explained him the situation, showed him data, said, here's the deal. And that was the way that it was. In this case, he didn't say a word. He didn't talk to Mark. He didn't talk to Mark prior to it happening. He had explained that he was like on his last straw, that he was like, uh, you know, close to being benched. Even, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff is an associate head coach, and he's kind of Mark's coach. You know, you know how it is, David. You know, your assistant coaches have guys. Mark's one of his guys. He didn't even send J.B. down during the game to sort of like talk to Mark and calm him down. Like, there's just no verbal communication. And so, for a guy that is clearly capable of doing it, the fact that he isn't is, is baffling and adds to the frustration, I think, on Mark's, Mark's part. So why would he do it? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's, the, that's a great question. I don't know. I've, I've been thinking about it. I mean, clearly, they've, they've had philosophical differences in the past. Last year, David Fisdell wanted Mark to be part of the decision-making process. He asked Mark, you know, what do you think about this play? What do you think about this rotation? What do you think about these guys? And Mark just flatly refused to do it, saying, you know, I'm not the coach. You're the coach. I'm the player. You tell me what to do, I'll do it. So they had, they've had a philosophical difference about how leaders are supposed to act, how the team is supposed to operate. But they sort of mended that sense a little bit over the summer. Mark uh, was playing in Eurobasket. David Sinsdale flew out to meet him in Romania. They had a big talk. Things were going okay. And, again, it's not as if Mark was the reason for this this, this losing streak, Chandler Parsons got hurt again in this game. You know, no word on what's going to happen with his knee, but he's um, he may be out. Mike Conley is out indefinitely and could be a long time. Uh, this team is banged up. There's not that many really good players. It's basically Mark uh, on the starters and Tyreek Evans off the bench. And to go out of your way to, to, to poke and prod that guy in this scenario, I, I genuinely I, I'm, I'm baffled. I, I don't know what message he's trying to send. Could be too big a step on my part, but could this be the beginning of a road that leads to a Gasol trade and starts a full-out rebuild for the hey John for the, for the for the Memphis Grizzlies? Well, you know, it's it's I've always thought that it was going to kind of end up at, at some point, unless there was a a major reconciliation. I always kind of thought after last year that it would be either Mark or Fisdale. And I, I thought maybe they'd mended the fence a little bit. So it's kind of, but yeah, I think it's going to be either or. Uh, and I think given, if you look at the Grizzlies schedule upcoming, they've got two games against the Spurs next. Then they go to Cleveland. They've got the Raptors, Knicks, Wizards, Thunder, all of these uh, Celtics in the next uh, 10 to 11 games. You know, an eight game losing streak could balloon to like something crazy if they don't get this fixed ASAP and very few coaches can survive when things aren't going well and you reel off a, you know, a double digit losing streak. So it may lead to a assault trade. It may lead to Fisdale being fired. I, it's, I think it's a coin flip at this point, uh, which one of those is more likely. 
Fascinating. Peter, Locked on Grizzlies is the show. He's got all the audio from Mark Gasol. He's got insight knowing Mark better than as well as anyone. It's a show you should just, if even if you're not a Grizzly fan, download to follow this one out because this story is developing as we speak. Peter is on it, the local experts on the biggest stories. Peter, thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure, David. It is a hell of a story. You're going to want to listen to it, I promise. There are a few other stories that are worth following as we move forward, and we'll do them in the upcoming weeks for you. Are the Lakers legitimately a playoff team? And the same question has to be asked about the New York Knicks. If you look at the SRS rating of basketball reference, it would probably say no on the Lakers, not entirely buying into it, and say maybe on the New York Knicks. We'll keep a tab on both of those, both Locked On Knicks and Locked On Lakers will be covering that for you. Obviously the Thunder and what's going on with them right now. The third most isolation team in the league, and it seems to have completely discombobulated Paul George and where he is. If you look at their numbers, Russell Westbrook's the best ISO player, then Carmelo, and Paul George is not a good isolation player right now. It is seems to be hurting his game uh, a little bit. And then late in games, obviously an element of my turn going on with each of those guys as they struggle so much late in games. Their point differential says Oklahoma City should be fine. The visual says a little bit of something else in the process. They're third in the league in isolations, but then when you start to look at how they're doing in those circumstances, they rank only 19th, and you look at their individual players, and they're not particularly good at it. The, the best the best isol- they are not of the best group isolation players. Westbrook runs the seventh most isolations in the league. Carmelo runs the thirteenth, and Paul George runs the fourteenth. So three of the top five guys in the league in isolations. And then if you sort it by the guys who have taken the let's call it the fifty most isolations in the NBA, uh, those guys that have taken forty or more isolation attempts, which gets you the top fifty. Where do these guys rank? Overall, and that's that gets a bit stunning because what you end up seeing is that not only are they high on the list, but they're not actually very good at it. Running down, Westbrook is 23rd out of that group uh, in isolation. Carmelo is 36th in that group out of isolation. And then Paul George is below them at 47th out of the 52 guys who've taken 50 most isolations this year. 52 guys have 40 isolations or more this year. Paul George ranks 47th of 52. Only Evan Turner, Wesley Matthews, Dennis Smith Jr., Bradley Beal, and Reggie Jackson are less good than Paul George in those circumstances. And there's actually a different way you can look at that metric. It even gets a little, you know, it kind of keeps him in that same realm. So, you know, you wonder, can Oklahoma City be a team that's not predicated on isolation, and I find that a little bit hard to believe. Their defense, when it's running around, is incredible. Their length is remarkable. Carmelo's actually been a bit engaged defensively, uh, and we'll we'll look at that uh, as the weeks go on. But offensively, they are rolling into this one-on-one game. Sometimes when they get into the half court and they move the basketball, they look great. I mean, they, they really look great. But it's such a rare circumstance that they do it. Westbrook uh, is—it's not as though he's holding on to the ball. He's—he's he's trying to move it. He's actually made more passes that have led to direct shots uh, than anyone else in the game. But you kind of get the same thing. The effective field goal percentage out of that is only okay. It's not—it's not great. Um, He's—he's he's giving guys opportunities. He's 
I, I don't think it's fair to put it on him and say, you know, you're just the most selfish guy out there. I, I don't I don't think that's fair um, at all. But it just the combination of it uh, seems to have a bunch of these guys a little bit undone and uncomfortable. And as the game drives into the later parts of it, it becomes even more obvious. And they're not they're not sh- shooting well off Paul Paul George. Not only is his isolation not good, they're not getting stuff out of Paul George uh, plays. And Carmelo doesn't pass. So. Okay, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Uh, so that's, you know, I think that jumps out at you uh, when you look at this team and see wh- what's going on with them and compare it to the Warriors. You know, Durant's leads to the best shooting percentage of anyone in the NBA off his passes. Draymond's number three in the league off of that. Maybe he has better shooters, but Steph's 12. Those guys, when they're dishing, are creating opportunities for other people. That is not happening with Oklahoma City at all right now, and that is a vital part of where it's late in games, things are going awry for them. They're getting into inefficient possessions, and then they're not able off of those ISO plays to create passes that lead to shots that are good ones. That is our edition of Locked On NBA tonight. Biggest stories, local experts. We will continue to cover for you. The coach will join us on Wednesday this week for his insight. NBA coach joins us and breaks down what he's seeing around the league. He just does it anonymously. It's only unlocked on NBA. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast as well as your favorite NBA team's Locked On podcast as well. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network.